We're so glad that you found this Peak City message today. Our prayer is that during our time together, you're able to discover Jesus and are encouraged to follow him fearlessly. like you're eight days in on resolutions. You look good. You look good, man. Who's ready for a good new year? Ready for a good 2023, man. If you're brand new, like Josh said, welcome to the family. Uh, We're thrilled to have you with us today. And, uh, it's so weird. I feel like I haven't seen you guys in forever. Um, I, uh, we, we took last Sunday as an online-only Sunday to give our volunteers a, a much-needed Sunday off. And I think that's something we need to continue to appreciate. You know, like our worship team, our production team, the people that greeted you, the people who are taking care of your kids right now, this place is run by volunteers, man. So can we put our hands together and just appreciate everybody that sacrifices every week? You know, it's, it's one thing to like serve somewhere like a couple times a year, uh, but these people serve every single week and uh, just grind it out so that we can come and, and celebrate God uh, together, learn more about who Jesus is. And uh, you know, it's so funny um, not being with you for a little bit. Uh, yesterday, I was hanging with my boys, my two older sons, and we're playing Fortnite together. All right, I'm, try- I'm trying to keep hip with the times. I'm trying to play Fortnite. And uh, I was playing with my boys and I was like, miles behind them. Like I wasn't even in their general vicinity. Like, Hey, where's that other guy? Is that, is that your dad? That's like lagging behind. They're like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> but, but I was playing with them and I, I overheard this really cool conversation where my 11 year old was talking to another one of his friends online. And he was like, man, I feel like it's been forever since we've been at church. And this friend of his goes to Peak City. And, and it was so cool because I heard, I heard this little conversation and they said, man, I'm so excited to get back tomorrow. And I thought, man, that's the kind of church culture that, I'm, that we want to create, right? I, I just believe so many of us grew up and church was endured. You had to get through it. And we're trying to create something here at Peak City where church, we, we believe with all of our hearts should be enjoyed, not endured. And so we pray that your kids feel that, pray that you guys feel that. And uh, if, if you're new, this is a great time uh, to be a part of the Peak City family. Um, before we jump into our message today, um, I do wanna celebrate something with you, all right? Um, in December, we encourage everybody, and this is what we do every December, we ask you to pray about giving bigger than you've ever given before so that we can build the future for what God is gonna do both here at Peak City and across the world. And so this year, we told you we were gonna make some necessary uh, upgrades to our online ministry, what happens on Peak City Online. Shout out to anybody watching with us online uh, right now. Can we give them a hand? There's always a good amount of people on there. There's always two or 300 people within a week's time that watch what happens here uh, on a Sunday, sort of as their first step into the fold. So we're gonna make some upgrades there. And then we also wanted to partner with this great ministry called the Exodus Road. And the Exodus Road is an anti-human trafficking organization. And uh, we had uh, the, the opportunity to help them build a new education room for women who have been liberated from sex slavery. And so we were trying to raise money to build that education center so that they can learn new job skills and, and provide a new way uh, of living for for them and for their kids. And so I get the honor of sharing with you today that we were able to give uh, so generously, you all gave so generously in the month of December that uh, we're, we're gonna be able to make those upgrades to Peak City Online and we're gonna be able to give the entire amount that it takes to build that entire education center for the Exodus Road. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, man. And so, uh, you know, when, when you walk in today and you see on our wall, it says, for everyone everywhere. We, that is not a, a pithy saying that looks dope on the back of a, a crew neck, but it does. 
It's not just lip service though, man. We put our money where our mouth is. We believe Jesus is for everyone everywhere, not just in Colorado Springs, but all across the world. So for those of you who gave, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving. Uh, It is a beautiful, beautiful thing to be a part of something that is changing lives all across the world. So thank you for that. Um, Today, today, we are here to make a powerful declaration. And the declaration is this, this year, I will build a better marriage, all right? This year, I will build a better marriage. It's the, it's the thing we're gathered here to say together. And um, it's a needed declaration. It's a very needed declaration. Um, statistically, more divorces are filed in January, February, March than any other three month stretch in the entire year. This is the time when everyone throws in the towel on marriage. Uh, It's a needed declaration. Uh, I know that statistically, but I also know that just by uh, being involved in this church and in our community. Marriage is the number one issue that I hear about as a pastor, both from people inside our church, people outside our church, my neighbors, everyone. Marriage is the number one issue that if you're a person of faith or you're not a person of faith, everyone is struggling through marriage. And, 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 and it's normal. Like if you've been married for any length of time, you know this, that like it's, marriage is hard. Marriage is this uh, really delicate organism that if you don't pay close attention to it, it can get off really, 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 really quick. I was thinking about this yesterday, like my son, I told you back, um, if, you're, if you're here for our Christmas services, I told you my son has this poop scooping business where he's like going around making money in our neighborhood scooping poop. Well, uh, I was walking through my backyard a couple weeks ago and I hadn't walked through my backyard in a while. And my son's not only supposed to be servicing other yards, he's supposed to be servicing our yard. <laughs> and he ain't getting paid for that either. Right? That's just the, the fee of having the last name Kinder. And, uh, but I walked in my backyard and I'm like, oh my gosh, he has not picked up poop back here in forever. And then I saw, oh my gosh, we have not pulled weeds back here in forever. And there's like weeds that look like trees growing in our yard. I'm like, man, this is like what it's, this is what it's like to have a marriage, man. If you don't pay close attention to it, it gets overgrown and out of control really, really quick. It, it, it is not like a marriage is not something you can just assume will be healthy, right? The minute you assume it is gonna really, really hurt your marriage. And so we need to make this declaration together. We desperately, desperately need to. And, and it's gonna take work. I'm just gonna warn you in advance. This entire month as we're working through how to build a better marriage, it is going to be hard work. It is not easy. For those of you that have a great marriage in the room, you know it took a lot of hard work and it's constant, constant tension. But can I just encourage you? If you're here checking us out, maybe for no other reason than you saw an ad online and you wanna figure out how to have a better marriage, I'm telling you, it is such worthwhile work. It is such a worthy endeavor for you to put the hard work in to building a better marriage. I think it's the highest ROI action you could take this year. The biggest return on your investment will come from building a better marriage. I love how Dr. Tim Keller puts it in his book, The Meaning of Marriage. And if you've not read The Meaning of Marriage, I'm telling you, I just gave you another thing to buy on amazon.com as if you didn't buy enough in December. I'm sending you there again. This, this book is a deep, deep dive on marriage. It has the power to change your life. But I love how he says it. He says, marriage has the power to set the course of your life as a whole. If your marriage is strong, even if all the circumstances in your life around you are filled with trouble and weakness, it won't matter you will be able to move out into the world in strength. And man, haven't, if, if you're married in the room, haven't you felt that? When your marriage is good, it don't matter how bad work is. 
When your marriage is great, it's like work is stressful, school is stressful, friends or whatever. It's like, man, when your marriage is good, you know who you're coming home to. You know what you got at home. It's all good. But, but on the flip, you know the opposite's true. When your marriage is not good, it don't matter how much money you make. It don't matter how many games your team wins. <laughs> when your marriage ain't good, nothing's good. And that's why this is such important work. It's a needed commitment for us to make. And it's a powerful commitment for us to make. This this can change your life. And I truly believe, I truly believe that this whole month is for everyone. For everyone everywhere. If you're single, let me tell you, the worst time to learn how to build a better marriage is when you're in it. All of us in the room that are married, that are trying to figure this thing out, we're all playing catch up. We're trying to figure out how to get further faster because we took some years off or we didn't prepare in advance. Now is the time for you to prepare. If you're divorced, and I know there's a lot of people in this room who have had failed marriages before. I'm telling you, I'm praying with all of my heart that this series is not um, um, just throwing salt in old wounds. Right? Like, I'm praying that this series might actually give you the ability to reflect and to heal from some of what you've been through, and then to learn and to see from God how to build better, how to build stronger if God ever gives you the opportunity to do it again. If you're, if you're widowed or if you're like single and you do not want to be married, you're like, uh-uh, I'm out. I'm telling you, you need this. You are going to have friends. You're going to have family members. You're going to have coworkers who come to you and say, my husband, my wife is driving me crazy and I don't know what to do. And they're going to turn to you for help, which you're going, that's crazy. Why would they turn to me for help? I'm not married. They will turn to you (laughs) because when your marriage is struggling, you'll turn to anyone or anything for help. This is for everyone. Even if you're not a person who believes in Jesus just yet. All right. This is what I love about the teachings of Jesus and the way of Jesus. You can benefit from it. Even if you don't believe in God, you can steal. I'm telling you right now, I just told you in church, you can come in here and steal. You can steal the teachings, apply them to your marriage, benefit from it, and walk away. God loves you enough to where he wants to bless your life, even if you don't, in return, come to believe in him. It's for everyone. All right, it's for everyone. And so this year, I'm praying that we will see it as a turning point. I'm praying that in 2024, we will, we will see in our church that we have a ton of strong, healthy, flourishing marriages that in turn can bless our community. And our community might see this place as a, as a house of healing for their marriage. And so that's where we're going. For the next few weeks, we're gonna dive into the New Testament teachings, the primary passages from the New Testament on marriage. And um, we're gonna unpack what it takes to build a better marriage. And, and some of these messages, I'm telling you, are, are controversial. <laughs> uh, like, like next week, <laughs> I've already got next week on the brain because I'm just like so excited about it. Next week, we're gonna dive into uh, the most controversial word that has ever been spoken in the church and is certainly spoken outside the church about marriage and like, what do they talk about? What do they mean when they say this very, very controversial, juicy word, Submit. Everyone's like, <gasps> we're gonna talk about what it really means and how it really impacts a marriage, what, like how to really apply that in a marriage. And I'm telling you, it is not what you think and it is not what you have heard. We're gonna dig deep into these New Testament teachings, Jesus and his earliest followers, how they built strong marriages, okay? And, and we're gonna pray that God use it to do something special inside of us. But today, 
today is different. Okay, today is different. Today, the, the, the message that God gave me to bring to you is just, it is so different. It, it's different than any message I've ever preached to you before. Um, when I was prepping for this message, I feel like God was saying, before we talk about how to build a better marriage, we have to come together first and we have to assess reality. What God, I think, brought us here to do today is to assess reality, to see how bad it's gotten. Just to assess the damage. Like before you start building, you need to see what you're working with. All right, like, like for, for you and your New Year's resolutions. I know some of y'all, like this is the year 2023 is the year you're about to get financially healthy. That's your resolution, right? Well, you know, if you're gonna get financially healthy, what's the first thing you gotta do? You gotta check that credit card statement. <gasps> you gotta see just how much money you've shelled out to Jeff Bezos over the past few months. You gotta see just how many amazon.com bills you got. And it's, I'm telling you, it's worse than you think. <laughs> When you look at your credit card statement and you see how much money you've been spending on going out to eat, it is worse than you think. If your resolution is to lose weight, come on, come on, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you go on that journey to lose weight, what do you gotta do? You gotta step on the scale. Look down. What's the number? And in your mind, there's a number, right, that you think it's gonna be. You think you know how many Christmas cookies you ate. There's a number. And when you step on the scale and you look down, it's worse than you think. I want to show you today the state of marriages, relationships, dating, sexuality in our country, in our culture. And um, it's worse than you think. And so what I want to do for the next little bit, this is different than I, if you're new with us, this is not... It's just going to be different, different than how we typically roll. I want to uh, take you on a tour of some research, uh, some research that's been done over the past decade on the current state of dating, relationships, marriage, and sexuality in our country and our culture, and it's, it's worse than you think. It's worse than you think, because right now, you need to understand this. We are in an experiment We are in an experiment, the likes of which humanity has never seen. We are in an experiment, and you and I are the lab rats. And the data is pouring in, and it's worse than you think. This experiment had its birth back in the 1960s and 1970s, which is where most sociologists would date the beginning of the sexual revolution in America. The idea that our culture's previously held values and beliefs on sexuality were out of date and the sexual revolution came to change everything about how we view love and relationships and sex. And this all started in the 60s and the early 70s. And back then, you know, culture was changing. The, the rise of media, TV, movies, the music, the way culture told stories, it was all beginning to change. But, but the tenets of the sexual revolution, a rejection of monogamous relationships, an embrace of sexuality and new forms and expressions, an embrace of relational commitment based on feelings and personal satisfaction, a push to follow your heart began to rule the day. And all of that was beginning to take root in our culture in the 60s, 70s, 
and 80s. And these ideas continued to spread in our culture. But then in the 90s, the 2000s, 2010 and beyond, things began to move at a speed we've never seen before. Okay, The values and tenets of the sexual revolution, coupled with the advancement of technology, has changed everything. It's brought us to a place now where just a few decades later, we're dealing with the world of online dating where most people are getting a first impression of someone based on a curated profile pic and a curated description, not an in-person real interaction. We're dealing now with pornography that's accessible in your back pocket at any time when you can hop from Instagram to TikTok to Snapchat and get your sexual fix whenever you want it. It's a different world. Technology, coupled with the tenets of the, of the sexual revolution, it has spread these values. It has spread these ideas so deep into our culture and so fast. We are lab rats in an experiment, the likes of which our human species has never seen before. And I'm telling you, we have the data now to prove that this is absolutely when a marked change began to, take, began to take place in our culture. It's now undeniable that the tenets and the values of the sexual revolution have led to the downfall of marriages. As the chart behind me shows, the divorce rate since the sexual revolution. And you see the immediate skyrocket. The breakdown of marriage is directly tied to the values and the tenets of the sexual revolution. But if I put myself in your shoes or in the shoes of someone who maybe is outside the church who, 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 who doesn't really care about, you know, biblical marriage or the, you know, what does God want from a marriage? Then if I'm you, I go, okay, okay. But like, who cares if the sexual revolution is delivering on what it promised? If marriages are falling apart, if divorce is happening, okay, okay, okay. But if we as a human race are experiencing more fulfillment, satisfaction, enjoyment, higher levels of happiness, love, and if, if we're better, then who really cares about the old institution of marriage? The problem is the data, the research. It just doesn't lie. The sexual revolution has not delivered on what it's, it's promised. It's only led to more broken marriages. It's only led to more depression. It's only led to more anxiety. It's only led to more loneliness. It's led to less love, less fulfillment. I could keep going and going. Back to the data. Um, since the sexual revolution began, people have actually become less sexually satisfied. The chart behind me shows that statistically, the more sexual partners a person has, the less sexually satisfied they become. And obviously, the less sexually satisfied someone becomes, the less sex they're going to have. And now, with sexual content being so readily available to you, right, smartphones, the whole deal, we actually see that since the introduction of Tinder, which is supposed to help people hook up, it's supposed to make sex more accessible, it's actually killing the sex lives of millions. Since the rise of online dating and access to porn became more available, more and more people are, are actually isolated than they were before. And here's the deal. I can keep going with graphs and charts, and I'm going to. But you need to understand, you need to understand, if you're a Christian in this room, if you're a church-going person, I know right now you're like, oh, man, this is bad. I want you to understand the world outside of the church is interpreting this data the same way you are. It's not as if we're in the church and we're like, oh my gosh, the world is going to hell. Everyone outside the church is like, what is happening? 
the flood of, of articles that are starting to come out from secular news outlets is showing you how they're interpreting this data. There was an article from The Critic titled, The Sexual Revolution Has Failed Gen X Women, which details the negative effects of the sexual revolution on the very next generation of young women who came up after it began. The Washington Post writes, consent is not enough. We need a new sexual ethic. Our consent culture has left us liberated and miserable. The Times writes, women have been betrayed by a culture of porn gone wild. The Atlantic writes, consent was never enough. A generation of Americans have tried a new form of sexual morality and haven't just found it wanting, they found it profoundly harmful. Even those who are working and profiting from the adult film industry are walking away and finding it to be horrible. Former porn star says she's now asexual. She wants adult movies banned, says she doesn't like even having sex, never hooks up with people, doesn't find people attractive, believes porn should be illegal, that it's not good for anybody and feels like her involvement in the porn industry is a life sentence that she has to deal with everywhere she goes. But not only has it not led to relational fulfillment or sexual fulfillment, the sexual revolution, which has led to the breakdown of marriages, you must hear this, it is devastating our children. With all the divorces and failed relationships we have in the world right now, this next stat should be no shock, but the United States has the highest single parent rate of any country in the world right now. And if you're a single parent right now, you know how hard that is. And look at the effect of divorce on children. The more that it's studied, the more heartbreaking it is. And I know many of you in this room have been divorced. I know many of you in this room have kids who have suffered through divorce. And so you know how bad it has been. And, and I don't want you to take this as a judgment on you. We are for you. We got your back. But we can no longer pretend like divorce only affects the spouses. It affects the children. There's a recent study that came out that says when it comes to kids' educational attainments, how well they can do in school, how far they make it in school. Divorce has a bigger impact on kids than parental death. And don't think for a second that the technological age combined with the sexual revolution hasn't hit our teenagers. Recent study shows that one in three teens have been exposed to non-consensual shared nudes, which is technically child porn. Now, I want you to hear me on this, okay? I know that many of you have been in failed relationships, failed marriages, you've observed marriages break down, and it had nothing to do with sexual immorality. It had nothing to do with porn. It had nothing to do with anything that I just showed you on that screen. I, I get it, I get it. Marriages are complicated, and they fail for all kinds of reasons. What I'm trying to get you to see is that the research proves this to us now, that the sexual revolution was never just about sex. It was never just about sex. It was about how we view marriage. It was about how we approach relationships. It was about how we see the family unit. It wasn't just about sex. It was about everything. And since the sexual revolution began and since the advancement of technology has driven these values so deep into our culture that we don't even, I mean, it's, it's just like we can't even see it anymore. We, we can't even tell that this has happened. It's just so deeply embedded in our brains, these, these crazy ideas that we have not held for generations, but now all of a sudden we just go, well, yeah, sex is just a physical need. It doesn't have emotional or spiritual consequences. What? Whoa, 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 what? That's crazy. Like the idea that, that you know, a marriage is supposed to make you happy and satisfied, and when it doesn't make you happy and satisfied, you can just trade it in or discard it. What? Generations existed before us that never believed that. And now it's just like, 
well, yeah, that's, that's just how it is. No, 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 no. Like the idea that the family unit is this like old, outdated, antiquated thing that, that holds you back from real life. What? Like these ideas are just fed to us and we buy it hook, line, and sinker. The, 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 these ideas are so deeply embedded into our culture that at this point, guys, no one knows which way is up when it comes to building a healthy, strong marriage. No one even knows which way is up when it comes to building a solid relationship. We are all so confused. And if you feel it, I'm, telling, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you in it. Like we, we are in the midst of this experiment and we're so deeply entrenched that we can't even tell. I'm, but the data doesn't lie. The research is in. We're an experiment. We're the lab rats. And it's way worse than you think. Now, everyone, big collective group therapy, deep breath. <sighs> Welcome to church. <laughs> Such a place of hope and healing. <laughs> Hurrah. I know it's heavy and I know it's depressing. And I know you didn't come to church on the first Sunday of the new year to be depressed. I know you came to get hype. But uh, I think God wanted me to take you to a really dark place today and I think you should feel the way you feel right now. I think you should be traumatized by this because it's that bad. This should not roll off your shoulder like no big deal. This is crazy. What we are going through is crazy and no generation before us has ever dealt with anything like this. This should shock you and it should be heavy because it is. So when I say this year, I will build a better marriage, I want you to see what we're going up against. I want you to see the cultural current that is pressing against you, okay? The data is bad, but... You didn't think I was gonna leave you depressed, did you? <laughs> because there is other research and there is other data that shows that though every way that our world is telling you to build a marriage, every way that our world is telling you to treat relationships, every way that our world is telling you to view this, it's so broken, it's so messed up, it's leading to so much harm and, and, and pain. There is one way that data and research now backs up that is actually leading to happiness and wholeness, and health, and fulfillment, and satisfaction. There is one way, and I want to take you on a tour of that research real quick. A secular British study finds that people who go to church are more likely to have a very satisfying sex life. Can I get an amen from the congregation? Thank you, Brittany. Strongly religious individuals are typically more content with their bedroom activities than those who engage in casual sex. Another study finds divorce is a low risk for one particular group of people, religious people who marry young without ever living together first. Another study shows that Americans who cohabitate before marriage are less likely to be happily married and more likely to break up. This next study was about women's happiness and men's happiness. Whereas the sexual revolution told women that husbands, family, and children are lame, oppressive, repressive pursuits compared to sex with whoever you want and focusing on your career, 
The data actually shows that women's happiness is statistically higher if they're married with kids than unmarried with no kids. And that's not exclusive to women either. It's also true of men. The sexual revolution taught men that you should reject the traditional family unit. Playboy mode's where it's at. Hook up, shack up, break up. Single guys end up having all the fun, right? The data actually shows that married men with children are the happiest men in America. Not only that, but married couples and other studies shows married couples make more money than unmarried couples that live together, four times as wealthy, according to the research. Another study shows that in the U.S., if you're married, share the chores in an equal relationship where both partners work on it together and go to church at least once a month, you are probably both happy and have a satisfactory sex life. In the book, The Case Against the Sexual Revolution, secular author Louise Perry puts it like this, the task for the practically minded feminist then is this, to deter men from CAD mode. Our current sexual culture does not do that, but it could. In order to change the incentive structure, we would need a technology that discourages short-termism in male sexual behavior, protects the economic interests of mothers, and creates a stable environment for the raising of children. And we do already have such a technology, she says, even if it is old, clunky, and prone to periodic failure, it's called monogamous marriage which affirms the research of secular British anthropologist J.D. Unwin, who summarized his life's research of 86 different societies. And he summarized it like this. The highest degree of societal flourishing takes place where prenuptial chastity and postnuptial monogamy is the standard. He went on to show that in societies that he studied where total sexual freedom is promoted, it resulted in a societal collapse within three generations. The data's in. And I ain't up here as like a preacher wagging my finger, you saying, I told you so. We told you so. We've been saying up here, we've been trying to thump our Bible at you. We told you so. Y'all were doing it wrong. No, 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 no. We're in this with you guys together, man. Like, Brent and I, we're coming up on 16 years of marriage, and, man, I'm so proud of what we've built so far. We've come so far, but we got so far to go, man. We ain't done building. We're in this with you trying to build a better marriage. I'm not trying to wag a judgmental finger at you. What I'm trying to show you is that the data is in. The research is in on this experiment, and the way the world is teaching you to approach relationships and teaching you to heal your marriage and teaching you to find self-fulfillment, it's not working. But the data shows on the flip side, that God knows what he's talking about. God knows what he's talking about. When God created marriage and he lays out for us in his wisdom in the New Testament, his wisdom throughout the Bible, we see these these principles at play. And if you will apply them to your life, if you'll apply them to your marriage, it works. It leads you to fulfillment. It leads you to happiness. It leads you there. Right? See, I, I think God sent me here today to tell you this weird sermon. I haven't, even, I haven't even read a verse of the Bible to you yet. I'm about to, one. But I think God sent me here today to show you that you right now, as, as we get ready to say, this year I will build a better marriage. We are at a cultural crossroads moment. We are at a, we're at a cultural crossroads. The data is in and all these paths are leading to destruction, but there is one path that doesn't. And you're at a crossroads. And you got to decide what you're going to do. The, the verse that I feel like God led me to as I was prepping this is Jeremiah chapter 6. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Look at the paths that are available to you. 
Look at the data. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. Ask where the ancient path is. You see, there's a, there's a path you can take to build a better marriage, but I'm telling you, it's, it's kicking it old school. It, it, it's an ancient path. You're at the crossroads. It was hard for me to write the sermon and not bump some bone thugs in harmony back in the background. <laughs> if you're under the age of 30, you're like, see you at the crossroads. That was a jam. And if you don't know Crossroads Bone Thugs, you got your homework today, man. I just gave you such a jam. There's an ancient path. There's a, there's a good way to build. But I love what Jeremiah says. He says, ask for it. You must ask. You gotta ask God to show you how to build a better marriage. You must ask. And that's the thing I think God sent me here today to see. Before we get into the nitty gritties of building a better marriage, I think he sent me here to ask you, are, are, are you really ready to receive? Are you really ready to ask God to show you what you need to do to build a better marriage? Because asking is humbling. This past Christmas, it's a few days before Christmas, um, we were in prep mode for all of our Christmas Eve services. I was like, get my message locked in. And I realized, oh crap, I haven't wrapped my wife's Christmas gifts yet. And, and that's a bad thing to realize because um, my wife, one of her love languages is wrapping gifts in a very like neat way. She's like a ninja with wrapping gifts. She measures the paper like a, like a freak and she knows exactly how to do it. It's amazing. Like by the end, I'm like, there's not even like a square inch that's extra. It's all perfect. It's unbelievable. It's like true Harry Potter magician stuff. Versus me, I'm like, I've got five of the six sides of the box, great. And then one side is clumpy. And that's just how it is. So, I, so I'm, I'm trying to wrap these gifts and I got my scissors. I got my wrapping paper. I got it all set out. And um, the thing I don't have is tape. I can't find the tape. And I know if I ask her, it's rubbing salt in the wound because not only does she know the, the, the gift isn't gonna get wrapped very well, she also knows that I should know where the tape is. She's a very organized person, right? She, she puts things in places. It's the same place all the time. And so I'm looking all over the house for this tape. I look in the place she tells me it is. It's not there. So I'm going all over the house and I can't look. And so finally I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to ask her where the tape is. And so I go out, take the walk of shame to her. And I look at her and she's giving me that grin. I'm like, oh, she's, get that grin off your face. She's like, you don't know where the tape is, do you? I'm like, I don't. Could you show me? And she goes, it's in the drawer where it always is. I'm like, no, it's not. I looked there. She goes, come over here with me. She opens the drawer. Is this the tape you were looking for? Any husbands out there struggle to see things that are in plain sight? A few honest, okay, wives, any husbands who struggle to see? The, from, okay, more honesty from the wives than the husbands. It's humbling to ask because when you ask, you are admitting that you don't know. You need to understand if you're married right now, you got to the place that you are in your marriage right now because of a combination of your decisions, their decisions, and some life circumstances, right? Some sort of mixture of all that. But you got where you are on your own and it's humbling to say, God, if I want a better marriage, 
And I, I ain't saying that everybody's marriage in here is in the dumps. I'm talking about like, no matter where you are with your marriage, if you want a better one, and that's the commitment, this year I will build a better marriage. If you want a better one, you ain't gonna get there on your own. You must ask. You must ask God to show you the ancient path. You must ask him to show you the error of your ways. You must ask him to show you the pride of your heart. You must ask him to show you the error of your communication styles. You, you must ask and open your heart to receive it. And, and I think that's what God sent me here to ask you. Is like, is the posture of your heart as we go down this road together, before we get into all these juicy, controversial sermons we're gonna get through in the next few weeks, are, are, is your posture ready to learn from him? to learn and receive from God. You know, I, th I think it's the thing that I've been blessed with the most in marrying my wife. Uh, we've, been, we've been married coming up on 16 years in February. We've been, we started dating at the age of 18. We were young little kiddos. You can throw that little picture of us up there. That was us at the age of 18. Babies, babies. And when we started dating, I mean, she was, she was a, she'd been a follower of Jesus all her life. She was close to the Lord. I had just walked into a church and started, I didn't know which way was up, which way was down. And we started dating. And I just remember from the get-go, her posture towards relationships, her posture towards the possibility of marriage was always like, we can't do this on our own. If we don't have God, if we don't ask him to lead us, then we got nothing. And, and I've been so blessed by that. Like I didn't, I, I, I would not have had that in my mind if not for her. And so every step of the way, and we've had some really, really dark times. We were on the brink of divorce in our mid twenties. We've had some really, really, really difficult moments in our marriage. And every time we faced a difficulty, I saw this woman say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to forgive? How do you want me to love? How do you want me to serve? I just saw her constantly in this posture of learning and growing, and I just tried to imitate what she was doing. It's like, man, if she's asking God what to do, maybe I need to ask God what to do. And I'm telling you, in your marriage, if you need to learn forgiveness, if you need to learn how to forgive the person you're sitting next to or the person that's still at home right now, you need to ask God to show you the ancient path. Because let me tell you, he's been forgiven people for thousands of years. He knows how to do it. If you need patience to deal with your spouse as they change and they grow and they become a different person than they were at the altar, and you need patience, you know what? You need to ask God how the heck he has patience for you as you have changed and you have become a different person. You, you gotta ask. You gotta, if, if you need help learning how to communicate with your spouse, if you need help learning how to speak the truth in love, you know who does that better than anybody? Jesus. You gotta learn to ask him. You gotta say, Jesus, I'm trying my best to get my point across, I'm but can you teach me? God, I'm asking you to show me the ancient path. Will you show me the ancient way? And you have to ask because he will not force himself into your marriage. He will not force his wisdom onto your life. When Jesus stretched his arms out on the cross, it was his concrete statement of love for you. He loves you, he knows everything you've ever done. He wants to forgive you, absolutely. But let me tell you, he will not force his love onto you. You must ask. You must say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your wisdom. I need you to teach me, Jesus. You have to take on a posture of humility. And that's the decision I want you to be able to make before God today as we journey on this next month together. I want you to make a commitment to God if you're ready, that you're ready to be taught 
You're ready to ask him for a new way. You're ready to ask him for the ancient path. I just wanna give you the chance to respond to God in that way today. Uh, We're gonna do it a little bit different today. So would you go ahead and stand with me to your feet? We do this every Sunday at Peak City. We give you a chance to respond. And um, we do this because we believe that all great life change begins in a private moment between you and him. And so uh, today I wanna do it just a little bit different. If you would go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. And I wanna first start with those of you who are not currently married, those of you who are either divorced or widowed or single, wherever you find yourself right now, if you're not currently married, I wanna give you the opportunity just to say to Jesus that you're ready to learn. You're ready for him to teach you. I wanna give you the chance to just commit to him an open and receptive and humble heart to learn a way that is better than our culture is teaching you. If that's the heart that you wanna commit to Jesus during this series, a heart of humility, a heart of learning and growth, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three as a private declaration between you and him. One, two, three. It's beautiful, hands up all over the room. It's incredible, thank you, Jesus. It's awesome, put your hands down. This next decision is for those of you who are married. Um, If your spouse is with you, um, great. If not, I, I still want you to be able to engage in this moment, but I want to do it a little bit different today for those of you who are married in the room. If, um, if you know that you're ready to do whatever it takes to build a better marriage, you're ready to learn a new way, and you want to commit that open and receptive and humble heart before God today, um, I want you to make that decision together as a couple. And so right now, if you're married, you can open your eyes and look at your spouse And if they're looking back at you, then that's your sign that you're in it together. And so grab their hand. And if you're ready to make that decision, uh, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hands together as a declaration to God that you're ready to do whatever it takes. One, two, three. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Let's pray and ask God to do that in our hearts. Let's, Let's pray and ask him to do what only he can do. Jesus, we, we love you and we trust you. We know that you wanna do something transformative in our church and in our lives. And so we ask you, we stand at the crossroads and we look and we see the devastation in our world. And we, many of us in this room know firsthand the devastation because we're, we're living it. We stand at the crossroads and we look And Jesus, right now we ask you for the ancient path. We ask you to teach us the good way, the way to love, the way to forgive, the way to selflessly build a better marriage. And we know that that good way is gonna lead us to peace. We know it's gonna lead us to joy and we know it's gonna lead us to you. And so God, I pray for every marriage in this room. I pray that you would strengthen them over the next month. God, I pray for every single uh, person in this room who's not married right now, that you would give them courage in this month, that you would teach them and grow them. God, that you would help us see that we're all in this together. And Jesus, we trust you. We trust you. Do what only your Holy Spirit can do inside of us. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray these things together by saying, Amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate what God did in the room today with all those commitments. Come on, man. Let's go. 
Thank you so much for joining us for this Peak City message today. If you'd like more information on Peak City Church or if you'd like to give to the mission here in Colorado Springs, then check us out at peakcityco.com.